You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Well, thank you guys again for being here. Um, So just a funny story to start uh, today off. Uh, Last night... Uh, this is the first year that Sally and I have ever actually bought fireworks. Normally, we're like the the moochers, I guess, that just watch everyone else's money go up in flames. Um, but we decided that we were going to buy some fireworks this year, and we shot them off uh, last night uh, just in our neighborhood with uh, with our neighbors, and it was a lot of fun. Um, it was definitely well worth the money, but it also gave us like <laughs> one of the scares of the lifetime. Um, so we bought, we just bought like a normal like pack of fireworks from like Walmart. That was fun. Um, and then we bought, we went to one of these stands. Actually, I don't know if they're going to be open today, but if you need fireworks, there's a stand behind the Sprint Station at Pumpkin Center. They are like the nicest people in the world, but they're kind of hidden. So little shameless plug here. If you're looking for fireworks, go check them out. Um, but went and bought like these 16 shooters, essentially from them and didn't spend a whole lot of money and wanted to keep it because I've known people that have spent like thousands of dollars on fireworks, which is just crazy to me. Um, I've never really wanted to do that. So I just bought, spent a little bit of money, got these two boxes, one, both are 16 shooters, one smaller than the other. And so we set the small one up first and shot everything out of our, our Walmart um, package. And we set this one up and it's awesome. It is going great. And uh, I'm just looking up and just, pop, pop, pop. And I'm seeing all, hearing the explosions, seeing all the explosions in the sky. And we're just watching the, the wonder in our kids' eyes. And it's just great. And then I hear a boom, but I don't see the firework. And that's not a good thing I learned last night. By the time I looked down, we, so what had happened was, and never a good, you always know when someone says that it's going to be a good story. What had happened was it had gotten through like 12 shots, really good, and then it just tipped and started shooting, and the momentum from the fireworks shooting spun it, and so it still had three more shots. We ended up shooting, like, our neighbor's houses, and uh, no, nothing caught on fire, no cars caught on fire, so that was you know, a blessing, but uh, it was definitely um, a little bit of adventure. So what we did with the, with the next one, the bigger boxes, we took that out into like the huge field out behind our neighborhood and, uh, and shot off there. And it was awesome. But uh, we're probably going to stay away from the little 16 shooter. That, that kind of scared the mess out of us, but made for a good story. Um, once again, it's always awesome to have um, Brandon in, uh, in here leading worship with us. It's the second time he's led with us, and he's just done an amazing job both times. Let's give them a round of applause. He brought some of his crew. Uh, for you, those of you who don't know, um, Brandon's planting Anchor Church over in the Martinez area, kind of in the uh, kind of the focus point being kind of the Oakley, Perkle, Bel Air area um, is where they're kind of setting, setting, um, setting roots at. And uh, they share our heart of just preaching the gospel, finding people um, to share the gospel with, to teach them to know the love of God, show the love of God, or grow in the love of God and show the love of God to the world. Uh, and that's what we're about here. 
And uh, Impact Church, we are, as Dustin has said many times, we are a big C-minded church. We want to see the entirety of the church body, not just the individual local churches. Um, we want to see the entire entirety of the church body function and function in unison because we believe that that is when the gospel is ultimately and best nurtured in our society and develops in our society. So uh, we're here to support Anchor Church in any way that we can. God is moving um, in a special way. He has just bumped up their timeline, um, just kind of point after point, and just blessed them immensely, giving them some opportunities. So we're going to just pray for wisdom for them to um, to decide on those opportunities and to settle into those opportunities. But again, like I said earlier, they're launching uh, in January, right? January of 2022, so right around the corner. Um, so hopefully they have, uh, I'm trying to word it right, not a less adventurous first six months that we did, but uh, hopefully they don't have to face the pandemic after 10 weeks of being open like we had to. So we're just praying blessings on Anchor Church, and we are here for them. Um, and it's better when we're together. That's what I spoke on I think a couple sermons ago that I preached, it's better when we function together, when we have each other's backs, and we're there to hold each other accountable, and we're there to, to restore one another in love and in gentleness. And when we sow into one another, and ultimately sow into the gospel, and see the gospel spread and spread and spread, and we eventually see the benefits and the fruit that comes from that sowing. And we're going to continue our series today in Galatians, uh, Finding Freedom Through Christ. And <clears throat> Pastor Dustin has done just an amazing job with this sermon, with this series. And we're going to wrap it up today in chapter six. And that's what we're going to talk about is the idea of sowing and doing so in grace and how we can do that individually, how we can do that together. And, um, we are called to bear one another's burdens to sow into one another and maintain and restoring one another's with grace and compassion. So we're going to jump around these first 10 verses of chapter 6. Um, I'm kind of a disclaimer here. Paul's a little bit all over the place right here. Um, it's kind of like a, a theme, but he kind of hops around and covers a few different things. So we're going to do the same thing. Uh, Paul's kind of notorious for having like his closing chapters um, of his letters kind of being a little scatterbrained. It's like he's like, oh yeah, I forgot to say this and this and this and this and this and this and this. Let's jam it all in here before I forget and let you, let you go and make you, uh, let you stop reading my letter. But so that's what we're going to kind of do. We're going we're gonna to read it in, in its entirety, Galatians 6, 1 through 10, and then we're going to kind of jump, jump around a little bit. We're going to be reading ESV version. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word... Uh, share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows into his own flesh will reap from the flesh, will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. 
And let us not grow weary in the doing of good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you for your word. We just thank you that there's so many there's so many ways that you have blessed us. But ultimately you have you've blessed us with a with your voice through this book. And God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning through what Paul wrote. You would challenge our hearts and give us Give us a a movement forward, a step forward on how to apply these things to our life, to live in light of you, in light of the gospel. We trust you for how you're going to move and how you're going to touch our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So here in these 10 verses, it's like the prime rib of like spiritual meat, right? There's just so many good things to touch. Um, our big idea today is how we can sow with confidence and grace. Now, sowing and reaping, uh, as many of you probably know, is, is a farming term. You sow the seeds, you plant the seeds, you work the fields, and then you reap the harvest. You reap the fruits. Um, and Paul talks here, we can reap, sow and reap a couple different ways, right? We can sow into our flesh, sow in the Spirit. Last week, Pastor Dustin talked about the fruit of the Spirit. And he preached on that being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I could do a children's dance for you right now, but I'm not going to because I'm not going to embarrass myself like that. I've done that enough in my life. But love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are the fruits of the Spirit. Now, these are things that we will see in our lives as we sow in the Spirit, right? And then right before that list, there's a whole list of things that it says that these people uh, who practice these things unrepentantly with no, with no um, realization in their heart that these things are sinful or separating them from God, they will not inherit the kingdom of God, right? So we see sowing in the Spirit, just in last week's passage, we see sowing in the Spirit and sowing in the flesh. So we're going to dive into those a little bit deeper this morning. Sowing can reap either positive or negative benefits, and we're going to kind of understand that this morning. My first point is, is understanding sowing in the flesh. Uh, verse 8, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Uh, I'm kind of a bad news first type of person. I'm kind of the kind of guy that wants to know the issue and say, how can we prevent this from happening? So that's why, I think Paul is too. I think that's why he says this first. Sow in the flesh and you reap corruption. Now, why does that happen? Um, jumping back to Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. You understand that when our hearts are separated from God, when we're not in lock, tune, and step with God and Jesus and His ways, then our hearts seek selfish matters. Our, our hearts tend to seek comfort for what we like and what we want to do rather than what God has for us. And then when we do that, what we're doing is we're sowing in our flesh and we're feeding our flesh and therefore we'll reap the destruction of what a sinful life will lead. 
But Paul gives us a second, second part here when he says, sow rather in the Spirit, for the one who sows in the Spirit will reap eternal life. We ought not to sow the seeds that sow into our flesh, but rather we sow into the Spirit. And that's the second point. Sowing into the Spirit means we align our hearts with God. So we see that we avoid sowing in the flesh because it only reaps corruption and destruction, but we sow rather in the Spirit. We align our hearts with God, and that means that we act upon and seek out ways to to do the things that God cares about, right? That we begin to care about the things that God cares about. There's an old song. I guess it's old now. It was like a youth group song when I was a kid. Um, But it's called Hosanna, and it was written uh, out of Hillsong United. And um, there's there's a line in there, it's break my heart for what breaks yours. And I just pray that that would be our prayer as well, that we would, our hearts would be in lockstep with the heart of God. Because when we sow in the Spirit, we find ourselves closer and closer and closer and closer to God. What are some things that God's, God cares about? He cares about people, right? Regardless of their status and whether or not they've surrendered their heart to Him, He loves them and He wants the best for them. He wants them to surrender their hearts to Jesus, to look to Him as Savior, spend eternity. That's, that's a reason He sent Jesus, was to, to come down into a lost and broken world, to give hope to it. So regardless of who we come in contact with, we look back at the verse we just read. If anyone is caught in transgression, you, sh- you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And then at the end, it, it talks about, so we see as we have opportunity, let's, let us do good to everyone. And then Paul says, and especially those who are of the household of faith. You understand that we are called to to love people, to sow in the Spirit is to care about things that God cares about. And part of that, and the ultimate thing of that, is loving people. And that means we serve people, we do good to people, and we pray for people, we point out the truth to people, and that's something else that God cares about. He cares about truth. He cares about justice. He cares about salvation, redemption, restoration. These are all things that when we sow in the Spirit, when we prioritize the things that grow spiritual things, godly things in our lives, that hone our focus on Jesus, when we prioritize those things, we begin sowing in the Spirit and we begin acting out and seeking out those things in our hearts and for ways that we can act on them. I think about Psalm 119, verse 36, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Man, I pray that this is, this is the prayer of all who come through the doors of Impact Church and churches all over the world, that our hearts would incline to the testimonies and the truths of Jesus, of what God has for us, and not to the things that that we can do, because when we act in and of ourselves, we're so limited. But when we act in step, sowing in the Spirit, 
acting in step with Jesus, we can do so much. So we understand that when we sow in the flesh, we sow into ourselves for personal promotion, comfort, and gain. When we sow into the Spirit, we sow into a community, into a heart mindset that is about seeing others find and experience Jesus, all the while experiencing Jesus ourselves. We understand that when we sow within those margins, not only will God bless not only will God bless others, but in tune we'll be blessed. And ultimately, it will be used for his glory and for his purpose. But Paul's pretty clear as well in verse 9 that sowing is hard work. Sowing can be hard work sometimes. Verse 9, let us not grow weary of doing good. So if something that you do constantly can lead you to grow weary, then it's pretty obvious to understand that it's pretty hard work sometimes. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Sowing in the Spirit can often be very hard work. So I've been in ministry um, I've served in ministry for a long time. I'm back to like my high school days. I've been in professional ministry, uh, for lack of a better phrase, since uh, 2011. And uh, I have been in mobile churches ever since. And I love seeing something born, right? Seeing a, a church born, thought up, discussed, planted, and then flourish. But that is a oftentimes painstaking task. Let us not grow weary in doing good. So how do we not grow weary? I think we have to rest. We have to understand that there's a certain level of holiness in rest, right? But even while we rest, we don't stop sowing. We still sow into the Spirit. We still sow into our hearts. We still dive into the Word, have a confident and consistent prayer life. We still actively worship. We still active, live within community. We do these things that promote the Spirit in our hearts so we can in turn be filled, refueled, and ready to give to others and then sow back into others by sowing in the Spirit. Let us not grow weary of doing good. So I want to encourage you that rest is okay. But I also want to encourage you that on the every time in ministry that I have faced a wall of, I'm just about to burn. I'm just about to burn out. And I've been able to push through and refocus on making sure that I was spiritually healthy, my family was spiritually healthy, there was always a blessing on the other side of that wall. And that's what Paul's saying here. If we don't give up in due season, we will reap what we've been sowing, that goodness that we've been sowing. And the truth of the matter, we have to understand this, and we have to be okay with this, is sometimes we won't see that 
see what is reaped on this side of heaven. We won't see the benefit. We won't see the fruit this side of heaven. If you grew up in church, um, I, imagine you, I imagine that you've heard this song. It's a very special song to my mom. She'd play it all the time in the car. Uh, and I remember not long after she passed away, they sung it at church, and I was just like a baby in, um, in the back row. But it's an old Ray Bolt song called Thank You. And I just want us to be encouraged by these words because I feel like they are integral for us to understand that when we sow in the Spirit and when we protect ourselves from growing weary of doing good and we see those benefits on the other side of those walls, we see those blessings on the other side of those walls, that even if we don't see those here on earth, that our work does not go unnoticed. It says, I dreamed I went to heaven and you were there with me. We walked upon the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea. We heard the angels singing, and then someone called your name. You turned and saw this young man. He was smiling as he came. And he said, friend, you may not know me now. And then he said, but wait, you used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight. And every week you'd say a prayer before the class would start. And one day when you said that prayer, I asked Jesus in my heart, thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. See, I've taught Sunday school before. I'm sure many of you have as well. I've taught children before. Um, I've taught youth before. And there's, there's a certain sense that you can grow weary in all of those situations. Anytime you're pouring out, you can grow weary. But when you can push through, continue to sow in the Spirit, you never know the effect that it's going to have, right? So Paul says, don't grow weary, don't give up. Sowing is hard work, we understand that. So we see in order to sow with grace that Paul tells us not to sow in our flesh, don't seek after selfish things, but rather so to the Spirit. And then he's honest with us in saying that it can be taxing sometimes, so we need to have that in our, in our mind and understand that we need to make sure that we're being filled. We need to make sure that we are being poured into so we can in turn pour out. And I have two more points that I feel that Paul hits and that we also need to understand and join in. The, the fourth point this morning is do good. Is do good. One of my favorite TV shows of all time is Boy Meets World. So raise your hand if you love Boy Meets World, if you grew up on Boy Meets World. All right, that is awesome. I'm glad that I have a handful of folks in here, a good bit of folks in here who understand, who probably already know what I'm about to say. But in Boy Meets World, the very last scene of the whole series the four main characters find themselves in their old classroom with their teacher, and he is far more than a teacher. They find themselves with, with Mr. Feeney, and he's far more than a teacher. He's been like the most consistent guiding force in their lives outside of maybe their parents or some other folks, but he's been teacher, principal, neighbor. He has been like the moral compass of the show. And they sit down, 
And they say, we just want to know if there's anything else you can teach us. And Feeney responds with believe in yourself, dream, try, do good. And then Topanga, one of the characters says, don't you mean do well? And he says, no, I mean do good. So we are called as Christians to do good. And I think that's a, that's for most people who understand what life is about, that should be a a pretty simple principle to grasp. We do good. We love others as ourselves. We pour into our neighbors. We pour into those around us. When we see a need, we meet it when we can. We're called and instructed by Paul, Mr. Feeney, but more importantly by God, to do good in the hearts and the lives of others. Verse 10, so then as we have the opportunity, let us do good. I think about Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Dwell on these things. Dwell on what is true, what is honorable, just, pure, lovely, and commendable, because these things honor God. And the more we dwell on things, the more they become, that's that's sowing into the Spirit, the more they become part of our heart and our mindset. We dwell on what honors God in our lives. And as we do, we are sowing in the Spirit. Finally, I want to close with this. And I think this is probably one of the most integral points of these 10 verses. And I'm jumping all the way back to verse 1. We have to restore one another in gentleness. Um, I can't stress this point enough. We cannot forget gentleness. We cannot forget restoring one another with grace and compassion and peacefully. But we have to handle, or we're going to be called to restore others, both in the church and outside of the church. But we have to do that with gentleness, with compassion. Brothers, if anyone's caught caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. How do we do that? I think back to Jesus when he approached the woman at the well. Caught in adultery, um, knowing that she has had, she has had multiple, he says he had multiple husbands. He has every right as a holy God. To just cut her loose right then and there. Say, you have no hope. I have, you have strayed too far away. You have done too much to separate. But he didn't. He called out the sin. He addressed the sin. He didn't just sweep it under the rug, but he handled the whole, the whole moment with gentleness 
and with compassion. Far too often, um, and I'm just going to be really transparent and really honest here, one of my biggest gripes with the Big C Church is how we've handled um, situations where someone has approached with a burden. And maybe it's a burden that is taboo in the culture for some reason. And rather than handle that with gentleness, far too often those who have called themselves Christians or who, have, who are in leadership within the church over the past century plus have handled those situations by just casting them off and damning them more. And then in turn, what that does is that places even a larger burden on their back. When we see in verse two that we are called to bear one another's burdens, it does give us warning to keep watch on ourselves so we don't be tempted as well. But we're called to restore one, another's, one another in gentleness and to bear one another's burdens. And I've heard pastors say, kind of dismiss the idea of church hurt. That's, and I don't, I don't know if it's kind of a churchy phrase, even just you know, within the church. That's just when someone's been hurt by someone within the church or someone who claims to be Christian, maybe they have had an issue and that person has just been a total jerk about it. We're called to restore one another in gentleness and peace. And we, hand those, we handle those situations with love. We handle those situations the way Jesus handled those situations. And yeah, there's a time for flipping tables, right? There's a time where, where the sin requires a bit of a, of a more forceful conversation. But Jesus, more often than not, mostly... He approached situations with peace. He called out the sin for what it was. He never let it slide. But he loved the people he came in contact with. And we're called to do the same thing. I think that's a stigma that we have got to shed as a big C church right now. I think it starts with the little C churches. The more little C churches who share in that vision and that passion for loving people, restoring people, and not casting people off, the more the big C church will be able to function within the gospel and promote it in a way that honors God. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.